Welcome to the Real Advisor Podcast, T-R-A-P, TRAP. Please follow us and join in the conversation on Twitter at Advisor Podcast, where you can suggest ideas and themes you'd like the TRAP team to discuss. Also remember to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and leave a six out of five star review on iTunes. Doing all this really, really helps us, which means we can do more to help you. Now let's head over to the studio for the latest pile of trap. Yes, indeed, dear Trappists. Welcome back to what many people are calling episode 25 of the Real Advisor podcast, T-R-A-P, Trap. My name is Lick Ninkan, and joining me as ever are the three other horsemen of the apocalypse, Andy Hart, Alan the Storyteller Smith, and Carl the Voice Widger. Now, gentlemen, we have a show packed full of absolutely nothing, so let's start unpacking it straight away with some reviews from Mr. Hart, red in the high energy fashion. Andy, I don't care how many reviews there are. One, two, three, four. I don't look at it. Crack ahead. Okay, so the first review is from Darren Binkley, entitled Fantastic Listen for Old and New, five stars. A great listen whether you've been in the profession for a while or are new to the scene. Great banter between the four horsemen who all come at things from a different perspective, and the format makes you feel like you're sat next to them in the pub. There's no shortcut to experience. However, if you absorb the key messages in this podcast, you'll learn a few valuable lessons that take some people their entire career. Next review is lots of letters so five nine seven five two whatever great insights five stars as someone who is looking to get into real financial advice this podcast is brilliant it's great to get so much information from people who who are experienced it's helping me loads i'm currently undertaking the cii diploma in regulated financial planning i know the cisi is another option and i was told that the best is to get the cii qualifications Thanks a lot. I listen to every episode of this podcast, Maven Money Podcast and Meaningful Money. Uh, five stars for sure. Back to you, Lick. Fab, thank you, dear Trappists, for these reviews. They just give us a shot in the arm, a little boost of energy to keep on doing this this shambolic production. Okay, let's um, let's move on to some topical tidbits so we can put a sort of timestamp on this episode. Let's, even though we're in the sort of summertime and this is supposed to be the sort of quiet news quite news time for everybody there's quite a lot going on um and our, our this, this this year's chancellor jeremy hunt um has put some policy idea about there to allow pension providers to allocate five percent of their pension funds our money dear trappist our money to unlisted equities i yeah, don't know who put that in so-called show notes whoever it did um please, I did. please, please crack on and comment <clears throat> yeah i, I did uh, um Look, on with in some measures, it's this is all about sort of helping startup, early stage companies um, getting funding, which is all well and good, and it's a kind of noble idea. However, I don't think it makes sense at all for the average. You know, what they're talking about doing is is um, I mean, it, it is it's, it's not mandatory apparently, but there's a strong recommendation from governments and from the treasury that large corporate pension funds are sort of the ones that. You know, Mr. and Mrs. Miggins are members of should be uh, allocating, or their pension fund managers or administrators should be allocating a percentage of their investments to this. They're talking about you say you say unlisted, but they're talking about venture venture funding, so very early stage venture capital type funds. And honestly, I think this has got no place whatsoever in this type of of investment. Most of us, I think all of us, listen to the All In podcast, which is obviously fashioned after ours and they've largely copied <laughs> the tra- Trap podcast. 
Um, and if you listen to, to them at any given time, so they're all a bunch of you know, early stage venture capitalist experts, and they say how difficult it is to make any sort of meaningful return with venture investing. And I just think those people who are active in it, the, the proper VC type investors, they're going to just take this, you know, take them to the cleaners because it's like lambs to the slaughter. If the likes of Aviva or Legal in General, some big pension fund manager tries to invest in some sort of, yeah, Royal Lund, some sort of early stage tech startup, they're just going to get all the all the companies that the, the the main VC, the active people, the really experienced venture capital managers have um, have, have ignored or, or put aside. So. Overall, I'm not in favor of it. I don't think it makes sense at all. What do you guys think? Uh, I think it's – I try and – listen, I, I know – okay, I think we're all cynical. Maybe I'm the most cynical of the, of the four of us. I do try and look at these things and think, what, what's the upside to it? I just don't see any upside to it. I'm naturally predisposed to think if it's an idea from the government, it's a bad idea until proven otherwise. And this just reeks of being a bad idea. I don't know why they're trying to do it. I know the UK stock market is moribund anyway, um, you know, and, and companies are listing in other exchanges around the world because of the, because of the regulation brought in by who else? Previous governments. And I, the way they say it's voluntary, you know, I, I love that. It's like it's not really, is it? Because it'll be, oh, that's a nice little pension fund you've got over there. It would be a shame if something happened to it, wouldn't it? You know, it's voluntary in the same way that the mafia used to go and collect um, rent. So I think it's a, just another... Bad, bad idea. Um, are we done on that one? Well, ju- just from an Irish point of view, it's it's interesting because we're kind of going in the total another opposite direction, where we're being bound by rules where simplification of the investments in pension funds is is kind of coming into into regulation. So you can't have more than fifty percent in one asset class and that kind of stuff, which is screwing a lot of people who've got you know. All pension, all property in their pension funds. So they've they're they've kind of got timelines now to fix all of that. Um, yeah, I I can't see how this is a good idea at all. <clears throat> and watch this space. There'll be a lot of new venture capitalist funds, I think, springing up in the UK to try and take advantage of this. And and don't we just know it? Because we've often spoken about it. There'll be a lot of venture capitalist funds springing up, and they'll be investing in nothing, but they'll be making lots of fees on the mm. way. So yep. I think yes. it's a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah, and back we're to coming on to a classic example of a, a, a of a fund that disappeared. Mm. Uh, all its returns disappeared um, over time, mainly due probably to fees. But that'll be the last topical tidbit. Okay, the Coots Bank saga. Yes, what a bunch of Coots. Um, well, this is obviously <laughs> for the for, for British listeners, Trappist, but I think also it's made waves around the world. Actually, uh, it certainly demolished the reputation of this this. Um, this highfalutin bank for the rich and rich and wealthy, which people like Paul Mason and Kevin Maguire on the left have suddenly leapt to its defence, which has been a thing of beauty. I guess again, I don't know who put this on. I'm guessing it was you, Alan. Yes, it was. I've managed. I've managed to unmute myself. Um, you were, you're, I, having I, a, I, you're having a tech morning for the ages, aren't you, my friend? <laughs> I am. I've been, I've been away from uh, laptops for a few weeks, so which we'll talk about later. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just interested, sort of the, the the views from the panel, really. I mean, I just I find the whole thing kind of fascinating, interesting, and yes, everyone seems to politicise it depending on what your outlook is. But nevertheless, I mean, God, there's so many different layers and levels here. If nothing else, this is a this is a so-called private bank, who, as far as uh, has been alleged, and I think it's, she's admitted it. The uh, the CEO of, of said, well, the the of the whole group. Um, 
you know, leaked. Dis- disclose certain, you know, private information about the um, which the is banking insane. Account, customers' the banking details. arrangements to a journalist. Yeah, it's which outrageous. Is I mean, it's, it's probably a cr- it's probably if that's true, that's a criminal act. What a yeah. rookie people mistake! Leaking to her defence. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're so entitled. They're all that entitled, is, and we're, and we're not even in anywhere near the position she is. It's ridiculous. <laughs> They think they're yeah. about the law. Um, Nick, you've got some strong G- So Gina this. Miller, who's this... Yeah, if, 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 let me talk, I'll get them out. Gina Miller, um, <laughs> this hardcore Remainer, um, she has also been banned by her bank. Uh, I think it was uh, one of these Monzo. stars, Starling, Metro, I don't know. Monzo, I think. Monzo, thank yeah, you. Yeah, but, but hang on. That's the, this is all sort of, as usual, getting exaggerated. As, as far as I've read it, they don't do bank accounts for political parties. And, okay, but, but that's, the, that's the thing in itself. The, Why not? How on earth are political parties supposed to start up if you can't get banking? You've got three. You've got a uni party in this country. If you can't set up a bank account for any new parties, you don't have any new parties. My point was going to be Gina Miller is the other extreme to me on yeah. in terms of Brexit and the European Union. And I think what's happened to her is appalling. So mm. I, 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 I think this is a really dangerous precedent. By the way, Gina Miller's man, married to Alan Miller, the former Jupiter active fund manager who made a small fortune and now evangelizes for passive investing, but doesn't seem too keen on giving his money away. And I suppose to the kids who got through private school. Another story. I, I think it's outrageous. <laughs> I, I, I think it's appalling. And I, people say, oh, the banks are private. They can do what they like. Well, not really. We own 40% of NatWest. But yeah. that's not the point. Banking, banking man, if, you, if your bank account is shut, your business bank account is shut. It must be an absolute nightmare. You cannot function without it. And and yeah. and you know, I, I just think. And my, my my broader point is, I don't care if you're on the left or the right. It is is it is really really wrong. And it just makes me laugh. These these hardcore lefties. Oh, this is okay because it was Nigel Farage. If it had been Jeremy Corbyn that had, had his account closed or something, they would be absolutely screaming. But so uh, you've got to be. You've got to have a. You know, it might. You know, I'm very black and white. It's wrong, regardless of who they're doing it to. Unless they've done an egregious criminal act, it's wrong. Um, Agreed. So that's me, that's me done. Agreed. Okay. All right. Good. Ah, oh, well, this one we can just let's just let's just um, have a little celebration uh, because that great thing that's going to change the lives of all the consumers in the UK. Because what they're screaming for is yet more regulation. Consumer duty is uh, what are we today? It's uh, one day old. I think it launched on the thirty first of July. Happy, happy first day consumer duty i don't really want to say any more about it than that anybody got any thoughts about it, it doesn't really apply so much to you car but what you know what, what happens here does 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 come to you guys eventually um but it's launched not always no well mm. like Andy, the pension um, freedoms we 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 started that and then you guys followed so i think it can go both ways but anyway on the consumer duty i am looking out <laughs> Uh, and they'll also they'll also see that I was deeply uncomfortable with the content <laughs> of some of today's yeah, podcast, yeah. owing to the Irish uh, versus UK cultural differences. Anyway, as I was <laughs> saying, um, yeah, I, I I am looking on with interest on this consumer duty thing, and and like a lot of the um, articles are I'm reading about it are totally conflicted. So some people are saying it'll have no effect on fees. Some people are saying that fees will go up. Some people are saying fees will go down. Some people are saying it's a good thing. Some th- people are saying it's a bad thing. So I, I'm just interested to see how the people who are thinking this has no effect on anything they're doing how that will play out for them. Um, so, yeah, I am interested in it. Quite sure. interesting um, 
our friends at St. James's Place that we had a whole podcast episode a few a few episodes ago. Share you price. Underestimate the power of the dark side. <laughs> well, we've changed our views, have we? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We've, we've always been, been fair and reasonable. But the share price fell, I think, about 17% uh, in a day when this came out. The, and they, they've announced... I mean, it's really it's a tweak to their charging. They've, they've capped their charge. They get, a, I think, they give a a fifteen basis point deduction after ten years um, as a sort of loyalty bonus. So it's hardly sort of life changing, I don't think. But it maybe it's a sign of things to come. Maybe they were always the kind of outlier that seemed to navigate the way through all the sort of previous rules and regulations, and still have built in exit charges and penalties when all the rest of us were told we couldn't. So. Interesting. So, the, and I, from what I can see, quite a few of certainly of the larger uh, advisory firms, nationals, are sort of tweaking and changing, and they're sort of looking at their bands of fees and their, yeah, yeah. You know, the various sort of discount levels and so on. So, I think overall, there's a there's a there's a direction of travel is kind of um, reducing fees overall, particularly around the the, um, the bigger firms. But early days. Yeah, I think the larger firms are going to be more impacted with this. They they just don't have as tight grasp of their numbers, their clients, the service offering, you know, systems, processes, repeatable. Um, but yeah, it's a huge chunk of regulation that's uh, just landed and we've been preparing for it for months. Well, it, it would be unusual if, I mean, God, if, if any organization, but certainly the bigger ones, if they sort of came through all this and it's been, what, it's been a few years in the in the making and the sort of planning for a huge amount of, even a firm like ours, um, and shout out to my colleague Shireen, who's done a ton of work on just getting us ready for this and signed it all off on, you know, in, in good time. But it did take us, and we're a small firm too, because a lot of time, a lot of resource and a lot of effort. So the very, very large companies must have spent you know, thousands, tens of thousands, millions. millions. I, 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 I don't know. So it'd be odd if they got through the other side of that and said, nope, we're all good. We're, you know, perfectly fine. We're, we're great value, always have been. So I think they're going to going to have to show some uh, action has been taken as a result of all the work that they have, um, they've gone through. But um, time will tell, you know, as you say, we're one, we're a couple of days into it by the time this podcast goes out. Um, it'll just be interesting to see. I mean, th- things that we've talked about in the past, because it, co- it covers a lot of other issues, not just sort of standard fees, but things like, you know, the skimming of cash accounts that Nick's raised before. There's a, there's a number of other things which are kind of somewhat sharp practice, you would argue, um, which must come under the sort of overall kind of headlines of consumer duty and, and, and value and delivering good outcomes for clients. So, right. Okay. Yeah. Time will tell. All right. So, uh, thank you for that gentlemen. Uh, voice, uh, the limerick hurlers, which is not a drinking competition, is it? It's, I believe it's some sporting thing. Talk, t- tell us about the limerick hurlers. Yeah. So this one is a little bit difficult for me because, uh, if you know any of your geography, I'm originally a Kilkenny man and met as Ireland was born in limerick. And the Limerick Hurlers have just won the All-Ireland Hurling Final for the fourth year in a row. Um, An absolutely magnificent team. Now, for those of you uh, in the UK and further afield who don't know anything about hurling, um, I have included in the show notes uh, clips of the highlights of the the recent final. Um, Another UK uh, counterpart said to me when he looked at it, Jesus Christ, that's grown men with sticks going around hitting each other. It's not quite like that, uh, but it is the fastest sport in the world. It's absolutely amazing and packed full of skill. Anyway, this Limerick team, Limerick have had pretty much no success for ever and a day. And the last four years, they've won the bloody thing four times in a row, which uh, 
is difficult for me as a Kilkenny man because Kilkenny are the former kingpins of the hurling world. But what I wanted to just kind of raise was what a couple of things that I think um, we continuously uh, link to the financial planning and investing world. Number one, this was a very long-term plan. So they set up academies and that kind of stuff 10 and more years ago. So they, they worked towards this. Uh, they did not look for any quick fixes. They worked towards this over a long period of time. Number two, the one word that every single, that all the coaching staff and all the players keep coming back to is we stuck to the process. We stuck to the process. So they didn't have it all their own way this year. They had some difficult moments, but they pulled through. But they stuck to the process or for us, they stuck to the plan. And then the last thing is, by Christ, did they celebrate. So there's lots of uh, Twitter clips and YouTube videos and all that kind of stuff going around of them celebrating hard. So it was like these guys, you know, talk about, we've spoken about monk mode. They do monk mode for kind of nine months of the year to try and win this thing. They're amateur athletes. And it just reminded me of, um, you know, celebrating the moments when they come along because we all have a habit of, right, what's next? You know, and I'm, I'm minded of uh, listening to a podcast, Johnny Wilkinson, the the England out half who kicked that drop goal to win the World Cup that you Greatest keep reminding me of. time. Yeah, and he, what did he say about after when he, they won the World Cup? He celebrated it for about 30 seconds and then went, right, what's next? Mm. You know, and it's, it's really important for us all in life to just take that step back. And in business, we've just gone through a kind of momentous uh, barrier here in, in Metis and a milestone. And it's very important that we do take the time to celebrate our achievements and celebrate together as well. So I just thought I'd mention it, but de- definitely check out the, the show notes. Okay. Check, check that's, out the that's, YouTube. That's, um, that is interesting. And I like those stories and the crossover between sport and, and business. And it reminds me of um, a close personal friend of mine called, <laughs> called Hugh Vivian. Have you ever come across Hugh Vivian? Hugh Vivian, who played for England, Saracens at Newcastle. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. One of um, seven brothers, and uh, I knew Hugh quite well. He was coach at my son's rugby team. And I was chatting to him when they went into Saracens. You know the story about Saracens and how yeah, how long is it? crap they were. No, this, I, I, but, he, but he just, he just he does a talk about this, about when they – I can't remember who they, they brought in. There were some new coaches, okay, and they just cleared out. They had some really top players. But the attitude was all wrong. And they just, like you said, Carl, they started from scratch again. It was the Saracens, you know, were a really mid-table club for a long time. Is, Dr. Brendan Benter. Brendan yeah. Benter came ball. in and uh, just yeah. transformed yeah. it. They brought, in all the, they brought in a load of money into Saracens and also a load of South Africans. The interesting thing about hurling is you're born where you're born and you play for that county and that's it. There are no transfers. So, and it's a totally and utterly amateur sport. So really? yeah, I hear you about the, the, the Saracens thing, but I, I, it's not comparable from that point of view. You, you have what you have in terms of resources. They either live there or they don't. We did an episode, didn't we? A critical non-essentials, which we drew on these sporting books that have been, yeah. that, you know, the rugby and the, the uh, GB cycling team, you, do, you know, you focus on the small stuff and just nail it and just nail it and repetition and process. Very good. Um, capital is recruiting. I can only guess that must be you, Mr. Smith, who put that in there. Just uh, to take the opportunity, as Carl does it every bloody week, just to do a bit of um, self-promotion and uh, advertising. We are, uh, yeah, we, we're looking for um, support members, um, members of our support team. We're growing, growing the company. And if anyone is out there, it's probably relatively early stage career people looking to get, a, you know, get into financial planning. 
uh, in a kind of administrative role, heading through to support, power planning, and beyond. Or if anyone listening to this knows of anyone, then do get in touch. Thank you very much. Excellent How do they get in touch, good, Alan? Good plug. Good plug there. Just via the uh, well, wherever capital.co.uk. Find me. Right. Good. Find Enough. Okay. So uh, last okay. episode, episode twenty-four, we put out that we're going to do. A, <laughs> we've been killed each other by then. We're going to do a, a trap live event next year, ideally tied in with our fiftieth episode, which will be around. 50 weeks away so let's just say the best part of a year and we've had 129 people say they would like to come now saying they'd like to come and actually coming and shelling out for it are two different things but a really really good response so i think this is a goer again if you're interested uh there will be a link in the so-called show notes but i think we've already got enough of an indication that there's a a market out there to do trap live so watch this space for that uh mr smith again you the next point a complete breakdown of s&p 500 companies oh this was um Andy, what what is what's the what's the, uh, the the company that does these infographics? Visual capitalist. Infra- visual capitalist. Yes. I just subscribe to Visual them. Capitalist anyway. They do a daily email. They do a roundup yes, email daily. on Sunday. <clears throat> so do subscribe to it. It's brilliant. Yeah, really, really good. And it's just you know, as the name suggests, uh, images and vi- visualizations of uh, really sort of interesting subjects. And the one that they did last week was just all the companies of the S and P. Relative to this, relative to the sector that they're in, so whatever healthcare, um, technology, financial, transport, whatever, financials, and then relative to their size, and you look through it, and you just, you you, you kind of everyone would look at that and say, well, I use a lot of those companies almost every day, Um, and it was just, it's a really useful, you know, I posted something I think on LinkedIn about this and got a good response because, you know, there are some of the. uh, financially, what do you call them, Andy? Financial literates. So there's a lot of people out there, and without being rude to them, just think the stock market, that's risky. I don't like investing. It's gambling, too much gambling. And if you just look at the companies, it's just a beautiful visualization, which is the link to it in the show notes. And it, you, people should use it with um, advisors, should use it with clients, prospective clients, saying this stock market is not some kind of inanimate, inanimate thing. It's just a bunch of really good, well-run, organized companies. And so here's an example. Here's one. You have a quick look through it, and you will understand well, why people, it's good to well, own a small part well, of all these organizations. Well, all these people companies. say they don't understand the stock market. It's like, well, you don't understand what you're buying. Every single penny that you spend is going to mm. be directed to a stock market company inadvertently. So if you don't understand the stock market, that means you don't understand what you're spending, which may be the case. Um, but you know, if you said you've got a mortgage, roughly, how does it work? They'd, you know, they give you an answer. You know, you buy consumer goods and washing powder. You know, they've got an answer. So they're happy to buy the products of the companies, but not own the companies themselves. It's, it's just insane. But anyway, once they get that realization that it is real companies selling real things to real people, it does change their minds. So yeah, it's a it's a journey that we all have to go on. Lick. Uh, the one fund is the shopping list fund, which I said before. Which I'll uh, I'll keep on hammering that nail until you three are broken. Okay, we're done on that point. Uh, Mr. Smith again, the challenges of consistency and no link. Ha. Right. This, no, this is just, this is just me um, thinking aloud. Oh. And <laughs> I was, um, I was just reflecting, as as you may know, I've been, um, I've been sort of away. I've been on holiday for best part of a month, really. And um, I was thinking, and, and I've come back and I'm back at work today about half half a stone heavier than I, than I left. I've, uh, I've enjoyed the good life. And what I was thinking about is we talk in this podcast quite regularly, and I, I think we can be sometimes unfair w- with our kind of demonizing of people. You know, stick to the plan, 
buy the great companies of the world, never sell them, stick to the long term, don't worry about volatility, play the long game, etc. And that's just information, but it's hard to do because I can tell you, I haven't really stuck to my, if you like, personal health plan over the last month. <laughs> what I should be doing is exercising every day, eating healthily, getting eight hours sleep a night. And I can tell you, I haven't been doing that for quite a few weeks. And I was just, I was reflecting on that. that it's easy to say, be consistent in many, many things in life. It's actually quite hard to do. Well, it's certainly hard for me to do. So maybe we should be a bit kinder, more gentle to people, be the advisors, be the clients, be the investors. Um, because it's not, um, yeah, there, there are, there are challenges in doing that. If, if it was as, um, as Derek Sivers, if you followed Derek Sivers, as he said, if <laughs> if all you needed was information, if, if more information helped, then we'd all be billionaires with six packs. Yeah. So information is all well and good, but you've got to actually execute. You've got to be consistent. Welcome, most people are welcome not. Welcome to Trap Confessions. Alan Smith's first. Okay. All there right. we go. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, Ashes update. Carl and Alan, you were very, very keen on giving Ashes updates for the first two tests. You've been quiet for the last three tests. Any, any, any Ashes update? Or should we just skip over that? I been no, watching, I, I'd I'd just like it. to say congratulations, Round, Rounders uh, with T. Um, it was magnificent for England to get um, a draw, and I know nothing about this topic, so I should just probably... Just and we should have you know, oh, your, your previous I, words your previous I, words evidence that okay well we'll, 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 we'll let that lie for the moment uh, uh, Mr. Uh, voice <laughs> fund manager BS it's about it's all about disintermediation of the value chain oh my god there has to be an active manager saying that nobody speaks yeah. like that in the real world so um, I, put, I put the link to this article in the show notes right so I'm not going to actually call out because I'm not Nick I'm not going to call out the guy's name or the fund <laughs> right but uh, I just I read this I don't know why cause, I don't know why because normally I just skip over these things, but I happened to read this particular article and there is so much uh, language in it that I just went, oh my God. And and we mentioned Terry Smith's um, annual letter before and I remember, and Andy was saying oh, it was great. And I found the first page and a half of that really good. And then after that, I felt it just went into all this mumbo jumbo language, right? Um, so the line I took out of this particular one was, so this for me sums up active fund management. It's all about the disintermediation of the value chain. <laughs> now, I'm sorry, but what the fuck does that mean? I mean, that, 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 that is like, this is just, like, if people can't see through that crap, well, then, you know, you, you just got to, he should be saying, hey, I'm an active fund manager. Uh, we charge more than the passive funds. There is absolutely no evidence whatsoever that we can beat the market. We haven't done it before, and we're not going to do it again. But yet, we have a line like that. And I'm sorry for using that profanity, but I, I'm, I, it just drives me absolutely insane when people are up there talking this absolute raw mesh, as we'd say in Ireland. Uh, so yeah, I, I just wanted it, to point that out. I don't think it's going anywhere. I mean, ever since I've entered this mighty profession, we've had this issue and the overwhelming evidence that it doesn't work has had almost no impact on it. They continue to grow. So yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere over the next few decades. Certainly within my career, I don't think we're going to see a change in it, but I could be wrong. Okay. Uh, Mr. Smith, achieving long-term financial security is about investing adventurously. That, that's that's the title of uh, an article. Uh, this is just a quick one. This has actually been out for a while. Um, it's all about, um, I don't know if you know Charlie Ellis. 
I had, uh, had the pleasure of meeting him a couple winning, of years ago. Losers he sits, game. I, yeah, I, th- I think he sits on close the board Vanguard. Cl- another close personal close friend. Personal friend. Um, you bumped into him at a Vanguard seminar <laughs> symposium, did you? Correct. So can I have a but photo of you? Can you sign my book? Yeah. Um, no, he he's... <laughs> Quite, quite interesting in that. So he talks about obviously he like like we are. He's a big fan of um, you know investing in the, in the great companies of the world, and he talks about sort of traditional portfolio be sort of sixty forty as you know as being a common common way to hold assets. And he and he's this article that he's um, he's written recently sort of says, well, we're thinking of all that wrongly because we're ignoring certain other factors which are kind of if you like. Um, sort of bond like in our lives so he's, he talks about human capital which is on you know p- people don't sort of factor that in if you are you know at you know in w- at working age and particularly if you're a bit younger the value of your human capital is significant in terms of your long-term financial security and should be factored in as a non as a as sort of more as, as a, you know as long as you um, in, enjoy decent health the chances are that you'll continue in gainful employment and you'll still generate revenue and income so that should be factored in he talks about the cap- capital value of your state benefits like state pension that should be factored in as well and he talks about things like um uh, yeah property obviously any defined benefit pension schemes that anyone's got which are pretty uh, you know secure in terms of the income generation and also property assets and he says for most people when they look at a, owning a 60 40 portfolio they're probably more like 40 60 or even you know 20 80 or something in terms of their kind of non equity assets and we should be looking at it in the round in the in the whole as opposed to just your kind of liquid traditional kind of retail investment fund Holdings. Just thought so it, was quite, it was a well thought through. I'll put a, put a, put a link to the article. Yeah, I'll read the article, but he was just explaining proper financial planning, really, Alan. I mean, nothing unusual to someone that's been doing proper financial planning for years. Yeah, yeah to some extent. But I, there's plenty of people who are speaking to clients who've got, you know, another 20, 30 years of working life to continue and own property assets might have, well, you know, we'll, we'll expect well, some state <laughs> pension benefit. And they still, and they do a risk profiling question and end up I, in 60 40. As I've said, yeah, yeah, yeah. bonds should be banned from pensions for anyone under the age of 50. Should only be allowed global equities and pensions under the age of 50. Just as a rough marker to get started, contributing every single month, buying on average prices. I mean, the amount of money they leave on the table is astronomical. But again, we're not mm. going to have regulation that's going to you know, uh, enforce that. But as again, as a good thought experiment, bonds, fixed income should not be allowed in pensions for anyone under the age of 50. Go, Nick. <laughs> We got the we got the we got we got the inverse of that. We got bloody regulation that puts auto enrolment people into bonds when they're young. Yeah, that's because from the a poor poppets couldn't take yeah. it if they saw a decline in value, um, yeah. which of course they yeah. have seen a decline in value over the last eighteen months. So let's see how yeah. that pans out. Just the unintended consequences of uh, legislation. Right. Final okay. other point from uh, oh, uh, Alan. Smith, you've got an item. Self promotion. Mm, no, it's, uh, you're, yes, you've got a podcast down under, my friend. Oh, do do I mention. I'll, when we finish this, one, I'll tell you how the ashes work. So you can get a few ribs in at your friend Stuart. Okay. Bell. Crack on. Yeah, yeah. Do that. Although he's English. Well, in fact, I think he's Welsh. Do Welsh play cricket? Anyway, I'll mention it well, too. Don't know. Uh, um, yes, I, by the time this pod goes out, I will. I'll have done it. But you, um, he would do a live webinar. A guy called. I mentioned him on this podcast before. Stuart Bell or Dairy Consulting. Uh, and he's got a lot of good content. Interestingly, when I spoke to him the other day, he said, when I mentioned it, uh, his 
his website and his content on on Trap a few episodes ago. He didn't obviously he didn't know that I mentioned it, and he immediately got a load of downloads from .co.uk websites. So that's the you know the influence of mm, Trap. But now as a consequence of, of that, yeah, he's um, he's invited me on, so we're going to be having a a live webinar type thing. I've got to do it eight eight o'clock in the morning, which is five p.m. Aussie time in Sydney. So that's an early start. Let's see um, this. But the I put I put I didn't know what we're going to talk about. Hopefully it's interesting. Um, he's definitely got a lot of good ideas, a good good content. He's a he's a you know he's a consultant to financial planners down under very sort of large and strong um, financial planning community in Australia. So I'll put a link to that if anyone wants to tune in as and when. Thank you. Are, are we going to have a subscription model so you can skip the ads? <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's. Hello, Mr. Coming from this guy, Mr. Pot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very droll, very droll. Okay, well, I, I have got that in my calendar, Alan. So I shall be looking forward to listening with that, and good luck with um, being compass mentors at eight a.m. Okay, the final topical tip. I think it's the final one. This is a, this is a massive one, actually. And Mr. Hart's raised this. The bloody gas funds. I mean, Jesus Christ, on about everything wrong about our, the industrial side of our profession in one fund. Mr. Hart, crack on. Yeah, so I think the GARS Fund, which stands for Global Absolute Return Strategies, it's an absolute honey trap for uh, investing illiterates. They love to hear that sort of description of a fund. So I believe it launched in 2008 to great fanfare, and at one stage in uh, May 2016, drumroll, it was valued at 20 billion pounds i believe i think it was the biggest fund we had in the uk i mean terry smith's fund i think is the biggest in the uk now and it's not even near those numbers or it's close to those numbers at the moment anyway the amount of fees that this fund has generated is astronomical every single year even if we just sort of be kind to them say it's about one percent so they've just extracted so much wealth from your typical investor and now the news is they've merged into one of their similar funds i think the value of it now is down to a, a billion the performance of the fund since it started, um, obviously it had some good years. That's why it attracted some some people. But over the last 10 years, it's been as- a- absolutely horrendous. It's, it's basically done nothing and lost money, I believe. Um, yeah, so people get excited about this. We bang on about it all the time, that we invest in things that have always worked. We try and avoid anything which is working now. Uh, again, that thing mentioned earlier about 5% needs to be invested in vent. That's, again, something working now. And then obviously the gas fund was working now, and then you know we try and avoid it. So yeah, this gas fund is uh, yeah been a, a bit of a thing uh, in all of our sort of professional lives. But yeah, we've all avoided it, I believe. Which thank God. So yeah, who's uh, who's next to uh, comment about gas? Over well, to you. I'll, I'll quickly throw in just to, just to just to say that we we uh, you we, we saw, before we started recording, that we saw a graph of the returns of this fund, and it's basically flatlined since two thousand and thirteen. But your point, Andy, what we know as as because this thing of ours, and we're immersed in it. Most of the money into that fund would have flooded in at the point after of the high, that yeah. initial strong relative performance through the credit crunch and everything else. So, so even the good, even the good years, the vast majority of investors in that fund wouldn't have picked it up. They'd have picked up that trade, like Kathy Wood's Ark Fund. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like, it's, like, it's like the Ark Fund. It's, it's the, it's the UK's version the, of the Ark Fund. Perfectly the wrong time. Uh, and again, another yep. risk that I bang on about that almost nobody talks about is a risk of low returns. So imagine if you had a typical client that invested 100000 in this fund and it's just gone nowhere and lost loads of money. If they just invested in a normal you know, global equity fund, that would have done about 200% in the last uh, 10 years. It's just ridiculous. It's absolutely yeah insane, but hey-ho. What? 
Wasn't um, wasn't one of their selling points that they had the their own pension fund. So Standard Life's own yeah. pension fund was in predominantly in <clears throat> Gars. So wonder how that went for them all. Yeah. How do they yeah, talk to their own you, their own you, people? Do you know? I, I mean, this was so so popular. I mean, in the oh. um, in our sort of uh, mastermind group that the UK members of us um, it used to be talked about a lot. I remember, and a lot of um, advisors piled into it, and it was in the back because it, it. I mean, when do you say it was launched? Two thousand and eight. It sort of it was launched, you know, after the banking global yeah. sort of banking Again, at the financial perfect time. Yeah, yep. perfect time. So everyone was everyone was feeling a bit sort of raw and bruised by having sort of a lot of volatility in the, in the previous couple of years, and so piled into it in a huge, <laughs> in huge numbers. Really, really significant. But I remember looking at it in some detail and looking at the, you know, the fund fact sheets in detail. I'm not sure if everyone would have read them because it, 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 a lot of it was currency trading. But there, there was there was it was really sort of complex kind of hedging strategies. And I remember seeing this thing, and it said because it would list all the trades they had on it, or, or certainly the top ten trades. And it was something like the Mexican peso versus the um, Swiss franc. Like a currency swap type thing. And I'm thinking that this is for, you know, widows and orphans and Mrs. Miggins. They have no clue that there's all sorts of weird and wonderful currency swaps and hedging strategies uh, built into it. But inevitably, you did do quite well for a bit. And then everyone piles in. And as you say, and it's the, the amount of wealth that has been destroyed by sitting there for the last however many years versus just buying global equities. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't our regulator look into I this remember, and work out the fees that have been paid and the wealth that's been lost? It'd be, it'd be madness. Sorry, don't Nick. Don't look to you. regulation to, as a saviour. The regulation is the problem. Man. Regulation is the saviour, yeah. Carl made a point before we started recording that he doesn't, you know, don't invest in something you don't understand. And this, the guards, the guards, although, Alan, if you were near convention time and you were just lacking, on your, your days of going up and down the high streets of North London, flogging standard life products would you would you've had a go with, with gars if it had been around no. i can't see my wheelbarrow filling <laughs> with props signed by the weak and willing <laughs> i was 21 when I owned Brilliant, Nick. You've excelled yourself this week. Busy week, Nick. Do, <laughs> do I have to explain? Do you have to explain what that means to anyone? Well, yes, just do. put some context, context of the area. Just, just the famous album. Just very briefly, my, my, uh, <laughs> yeah, my, my, my early days was spent working for the aforementioned Standard Life, as was great company when i was working for them and my pa- i was a broker consultant my patch was uh, my geographical area was kind of northwest london including wembley a place called alperton is a suburb <laughs> of wembley and i used to i did used to walk up and, 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 and that's, that's brilliant i love that that jingle that drop i used to w- walk up it was referred to as the proverbial wheelbarrow i'd walk up with my wheelbarrow and, and knocking all the sort of ifas financial advisors and, and accountants doors that and used say, to work out of like carpet the, shops and like taxi offices yeah, yeah. garages yeah. yeah yeah jean shops literally <laughs> uh chuck in the props and um yeah which is so an application was, the, a props uh, and application <laughs> chuck in the props chuck in the props boys so and that was uh, nick so well done congratulations he's made for you that's uh, that's a uh, glenn campbell i believe originally that was the late was, great uh, the late great the glenn campbell actually, galveston has now become alperton, alperton. <laughs> we've got a new drop 
That was funny. And you threw, you, you surprised us all. None of us knew that was coming. So it's well been done, on the board Nicholas. for a few weeks. I haven't had the right opportunity, but I thought, okay, Gars. Um, I mean, so yeah, the Gars, it was, uh, Gars, Gars was um, it. I predated Gars. It didn't exist when I was working for and them. You were just selling with, with profits. I was selling with profits. <laughs> <selling with profit. laughs> which actually, which actually is the forerunner of this kind of thing, isn't it? You know, yeah. opaque. Completely indecipherable. Yeah, we'll get you. We'll get you solid returns, no matter what. No matter what the, the low, market. Low returns does. guaranteed. Poverty yeah. and retirement. Des- you know, is, is, but is, these is, things is, do. Is these but, things appeal to human beings, don't they? Yeah. Well, whether it's Jack, big profits, whether it's gods, it's a nice sale. They appeal it's to lazy advisors. They appeal to lazy. Are you all right? Tracker I mean, bonds, I, you know, the same. Two, yeah. Two thousand and eight, two thousand and twelve. You couldn't take a piss without a gas salesman standing next to you at the urinal, could you? They were just <laughs> everywhere. Uh, and, and, and now it's just this stony silence. So, anyway, I remember when, of- I, when I set up um, originally in 2010, I, it might have been 2011, but the, the, the Gars fund manager salesman thing was down in my office. and It was massive in was Ireland as well, t- wasn't it? Yeah, yeah massive. And it mm. was like, um, I, was, I was an idiot because I wasn't putting my clients into it. And I wasn't putting my clients into it because I genuinely was afraid I'd be asked a question because I could not <laughs> understand it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's yeah. a fact. And it was yeah. like, Ooh, thank God. Um, it, so it, anyway, yeah. Anyway, yeah, R.I.P. Gars. I wonder Einstein, if Einstein I wonder Club. if the introduction of consumer duty. It seems very coincidental that they pulled the fund sort of the day after consumer duty came in. Well, because they, yeah, it'd be they hard just to, it's hard to justify. Well, merged it. Well, she just closed it down, isn't it? But it'd be hard to justify that as a value for money thing under consumer duty regulation. And what's the other piece of regulation that the FCA has got in Alan that fund managers need to? prove that they're oh, the fair value, value assessment yeah, yeah fair, it's just god i mean how are they navigating all of this so, regulation so, so, so they've, they've had to do that for last the last few years and they, listen they're not the only fund there's plenty of no, other no, funds i get it no like, no like yeah this. we're just highlighting but, but, the big the, one. we're highlighting we're not, this we're because it's this was life. No, this was the biggest yeah. by some margin so yeah. somebody some board somewhere has to have signed that off every year there's for the last been several a lot years. of ferraris bought and a lot of school fees paid via that gas fund and it yeah. you know it's part of our profession and it it really does grate me um yeah so anyway Look, can, I, can i just chuck something else in in here just briefly that we hadn't um rehearsed or talked about in the past so somebody um chastised me recently um online because i've been sort of having a moaning groan about a couple of things um it was about fees and a number of other things and and people saying why do why do i and and by by association why do you um and why do we talk about negative things in our sector um this is all negative we should be promoting and highlighting the positive aspects well, we, of it but we do both i, I think it's part of our both. part of our yeah yeah, well, I think I think we do, and I think when we identify things that we say are, you know, whatever you want to call it, sharp practice or not, um, you know, something that we wouldn't recommend, perhaps something that we don't enjoy seeing within our our industry and our profession, then I think it is. I think it's fair game that we mention it. We're not being personal. We're not sort of singling out. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> any any company in particular. There's a lot of there's a, there's a hell of a lot of good and positives that we talk about. But I will have um, you know no hesitation if I see things. And at the end of the day, it's just my opinion or our our opinion. It may be exactly. right, it may be wrong, but that's that's all it is. And everyone's entitled to their own opinion. So I, we will continue, and I'll certainly continue when I see things that I just simply don't agree with to highlight it and say maybe they could, yeah. should, we should be doing something well, else. Perhaps though, it's a valid point. Okay, mm-hmm. so and and I come from the point of somebody said exactly the same thing to me about that uh, now infamous article in the currency where the headline mm-hmm. was 
Carl with your financial planner says most advisors are many advisors are untrustworthy and someone challenged me on be that as a may Carl would you not have been better off talking about you know how you do it and how you think is the best way of doing it and I, do you know what I had to stand back and say that is a mm. very very valid point and I'm actually doing a presentation pretty pretty over the next few weeks and I'm going to start with a picture of that headline and I'm going to go, actually, do you know what? Use the Oprah Winfrey, uh, the title of her book, What I Know For Sure, and talk about what my values and beliefs are. So um, I, think it's, I think it's valid, but uh, sorry, Nick, I know you want to get in, but I, I, there is a line and it's, it's important not to cross it. So to, to generally be more positive than negative, I think, I think mm. yeah. I get that. I get that. However, in the world of wealth management, I wouldn't imagine there's any other industry where there's so much grifting that goes on in plain sight. And I think yeah. we have to call it out. You know, all it takes for evil to thrive is for good people to do nothing about it. Yeah, and look, then, and look I, I agree. And, and I've just used a profanity earlier on, which was totally unplanned about active fund management because I'm very, very passionate about it, right? So I agree, and I will continue to do that. Uh, however, I, we sometimes you got to take the feedback on board and go, yeah, okay, I hear you, and maybe we'll focus on some of the positives. Let, let's, let, let's, let, <laughs> As let's, Nick shakes his head. <laughs> I, 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 I took feedback on in 1993, and it just yeah, ruined yeah, yeah, most yeah. of the year for me. Worst so day of your life. <laughs> okay, let's... It was the worst five minutes. <laughs> we're at four, <laughs> it wasn't that long. Uh, we're at 45 minutes. I think it's time we um, we move on to the meat and potatoes of episode 25 of the Rune Advisor podcast. I, and I, this one... Go on. No, no, please, you've interrupted me now, so you might as well crack on and do a complete job. <laughs> <laughs> no, over to you, boss. Brilliant, brilliant. So we're in the dog days of summer, and we're all, I imagine, just taking it a little bit easier now, if only because our clients are often doing things with the money that we've helped them accrue. In other words, spend it on nice holidays and going away with the family, all these value things, these bucket list things that we're that we're. That we're very positive about because we're positive people selling positive things. How do we as advisors cope with the summer months? Two of us are one-man bands. Two of us are slightly bigger than one-man bands. We all have different ways of coping as advisors and as business owners with with the um, the long summer hiatus. Let's go through this, and we'll start with Mr. Hart. What are your thoughts on how you survive and thrive through the summer? Yeah, so I... Um try and separate my year to block august out my diary and generally the last three weeks of december fortunately in our business they're quiet months that's what i found anyway uh being a yeah. solo advisor um so i try and get all my annual planning meetings done between january and march i then just deal ad hoc stuff after that i obviously run a training business and do a load of other stuff so again i just block out my diary in august we're early into August and I'm already somewhat a little bit bored. Uh, I've already been to the Cotswolds with my family and I'm going to be going to Spain with a few other people and various other things. So I've got stuff in the diary. Um, but I'm obviously just allowing, th- you know, just just keeping on top of things, as it were, uh, watering the garden, as they say. Uh, I'm fortunate I've got uh, around about 40 ongoing families, so it's not a, a huge business and I can, you know, use tech and I've got a great team and, uh, and that sort of stuff. Um I generally don't put an out of office on. I found out, I find out out of office is a bit a bit cringy. <laughs> uh, I'll talk about the humble brag out of office. Uh, if anyone's doing it, um, continue to do it or, or whatnot. So I send a lot of emails, hundreds of emails every single month. I send an email to someone. I get an automatic bounce back. OOOs we call them out of offices, and it's humble brag. You know, I'm recharging my batteries in Fiji with my close friends or whatever. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm spending quality time in my family. And I think, oh, that's, that's, that's quite enviable. Five minutes later, they send me a reply. 
You know, so they've done this humble brag out of office intentionally, and then five minutes later they email me, "Yeah, Andy, I thought that I want to get back." And I think I thought you're away for three weeks in Fiji. Why are you emailing me back within five minutes? If it's genuine, like I'm, I'm away for three weeks and I'll email you in three weeks, I think that's fine. You know, so yeah, it's a uh, quite uh, funny these uh, humble brag uh, out of offices. So no, I don't put an out of office on, and I'm sort of there for my clients. I don't even really tell my clients I'm not doing much in August. Obviously, I'm I'm around. Um, so yeah, anything important uh, will be dealt with. I've got sort of three potential um, ongoing clients to take on board. I've pushed all three of them to September, and they're fine with that. Um, yes, that's it, really. That's my starter for ten. Who's next, Mr. Smith? Mr. Smith's coming at it from a slightly bigger, bigger operation, uh, more personnel, more more things to juggle. But also, I think, and you'll disabuse me if I'm wrong, Alan, gives mm. you the chance to just delegate, and you can truly not not be involved in the business while you're spending a couple of weeks in Turkey or what have you? Well, yeah, exactly. I am um, I'm fortunate. I've got a fantastic team. It's a self-managing business. It doesn't really need me and often thrives and does far better when I'm not around. <laughs> uh, but I, I, that's why I wanted to talk about this because I don't think I've really got this nailed. And, and you know, I've just, as I've, as I mentioned already, I've just, I've taken, Andy, you take, you sort of focus on August. I tend to take July off as soon as the school holidays start. My my kids' schools um, break up a little bit earlier, earlier, I think. And as soon as soon as they, so almost the day or the day after, we just take off because um, it's a bit quieter in early July. And I've just got a kind of an annual routine we take. We do, you know, go over somewhere warm like like Turkey that I've mentioned, and I've just been up to Scotland and seen the folks and seen all the relatives and all the rest of it. And so I've had the best part of a, of a month off, but I, I'm like you, I don't put an out of office on, but by the same token, I don't really check my emails every day. And that, that, can, <laughs> that can lead to people, you know, sending emails and expecting a reply because they haven't had an out of office from me. And it's, it's kind of a worst of all worlds. And what I really should do is just, just close it out completely and just, you know, have an out of office, just say it probably you know, wouldn't be a humble brag, but just say, I'm, I'm I'm away. I'm on holiday. I'll be back on the you know first of August or whatever it might be, and then just. Uh, but the challenge is honestly, this is this is the big sort of issue or dilemma, in that I don't find it's no big deal for me checking my emails or mm. keeping touch. Man, you you used the phrase before, just sort of pruning pruning the garden. Just I'm not going to sort of do a complete uh, overall. I'm not going to reply to big long complicated emails. But if there's a few things I could just look at, ping a reply back. Similarly, WhatsApp. I mean, I don't know. I, my, my life is so intrinsically wrapped up with business and life. And there's some people WhatsApp me, people text me. Mm. I, I post something, I see something, I'll, I'll be sort of lying by a swimming pool. I might post something on LinkedIn. It's not the end of the world for me. I don't. So I don't just, I don't really close down completely. I mean, I did a bloody trap podcast from holiday. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Please, please to know that there's no um, faulty fire alarm uh, on <laughs> this uh, I read it. Sorry, just to interrupt you. I read a, I read a review that Andy will read out in the coming weeks by some guy who's listening to the show. <laughs> yeah. Checking went, his house. Went hunting around his house for fire alarms. <laughs> Anybody got in the car and listened to the podcast, he realized it was on the bloody recording. Um, yeah, yeah, Alan, on yeah. your point on emails, could you not? I mean, what I would consider doing in your situation is just for the mm. month or so that you don't want to be checking your emails. Yeah. It's just set up a, a rule in Outlook or whatever you use to, to forward all your emails to someone in the team that you trust. Yeah. And just say, listen, if something comes up, I trust your discretion that you'll come to me. If something in my inbox needs a turn, that way you don't have to look, you know, don't get drawn what, into that looking at your emails. What he was saying, he's not really that bothered about checking his emails. You know, pre-kids, I used to be, pre-kids I used to be away about that. three months. All right. Pre-kids, I used to be away yeah. about three months of the year. I wasn't too bothered sitting there, you know, having a beer, checking my emails, replying to important stuff. I'm like you, yeah. it's a bit, it's a bit merged. Uh, you have to control it though. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, on my my iPhone, I, I generally have emails switched off. I've got to go into the Gmail app and turn them all on. Uh, it's, it's just like an extra. Yeah, barrier that's 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 the good thing because it's um, it's so easy, as you say, like sitting yeah. in, the, in the hotel bar or whatever, and just uh, just and just, just flicking through your phone, isn't that? And then you just certainly checking, don't want to check emails late emails. at night, and you get a grenade in from a client that's a real nightmare to yeah. deal oh, with, and no, you just yeah, literally yeah, yeah. can't sleep. Then, and you're thinking, why have they? Yeah. they. I say they're usually a bloke. Why have they emailed me that at that time? You know, now it's just stress for me to think about. And then you have got to try and piece together your answers. And, I mean, it's nothing like groundbreakingly awful, but it's just a minor grenade into the business. You then got well, to the, 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 the other the thing is day. getting in. I mean. I'll, when I was away, we, we, I certainly had a couple of sort of new prospective client inquiries. Now, it wouldn't be the end of the world if they got a bounce back from me saying I'm away for a couple of weeks. I'm sure they would have, you know, waited till yeah. I uh, replied and got back. But I was quite keen. I thought, well, that's good. That's good. I'll just reply, get somebody to give them, give them a call, just keep the, whole, keep the whole machine moving forward. I really do. So I, I, in summary, I haven't nailed this at all. I've got this kind of blended approach. And, and in, on reflection, I think I'd like to at least like, close down completely for a week or 10 days. I just said, not check anything. Not as, as you say, Nick, forward emails or and just yeah. Well, if that is the case, anything. then you can have an out of office on that's genuine, and then you know, ideally, don't check it. Um, but yeah, if anything yeah. is super, if anything's super important, people have got your bat number, haven't they? And you yeah, know, exactly. The, the, the joke is, what is it you do, Andy? I, I live my life on WhatsApp. I'm a financial advisor, and I earn my money. You know, I'm on fucking WhatsApp the whole freaking time. Um, exactly. You know, with, that's that's with a, zing, friends, that's a zinger one liner. Sorry, it's a zinger of a one liner. That's that's a that's a wicked joke. Yeah. <laughs> Carl Witcher. Carl Witcher's got what a view on on now. Carl, haven't you got a view on um, humble brags and out of office messages? I do. I let's, think they're a good idea. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh first thing to say, uh, when I go away with my kids, I do not bring my laptop. I turn off all notifications, do you including have a laptop, WhatsApp. Carl? Do you have a laptop? <laughs> <laughs> so so, so for the people listening in, the guys here are always like that I don't have a laptop because I never bring it with me because I'm like, I'm sure. He has a laptop that never leaves his desk. <laughs> no, 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 no. I do. I do have to work from home sometimes and I am on the road a lot. But, um, oh, but yeah, no. I, 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 I put on out of office and I, I, I've, I used to put in more detail on it and I maybe do agree, Andy, that that's a little bit ick but uh what i put on the out of office is i'm away on holidays with my kids i've promised them that i won't be looking at my emails for the next few weeks uh, i'll catch you when i get back and right. i leave it at that and um and i'm pretty bloody disciplined about it right i i will uh maybe look at uh the emails four or five times over over two weeks but i didn't actually genuinely look at it more than that uh, i turn off the what's i turn off the whatsapp Although that was causes a bit of a problem in California this year because the kids are now bigger and bolder and they're off doing their own thing. So I kind of need to be tracking them down. And then you turn the notifications on. It's like, whoa, you have 140 messages. It's okay, though, because mostly there's 98 from the trap pack. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, look, what I would say is uh, I haven't nailed this either, right? So I've tried lots of different ways. I've, I've done the maybe doing kind of a half an hour, hour in the morning or in the evening of emails or whatever. But I did feel that I didn't switch off. So the last couple of years, um, I, I have switched off as much as I possibly could. Um, and what I would say, though, right, and this is important, right, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking from the point of view of a firm with teammates and all that kind of stuff. 
honestly, we couldn't kind of shut down for the month of August or, or kind of July and August because we need the money coming in. Frankly, that's just business, right? So I'm always talking to the guys here and the gals here about, you know, taking your time out and do not be contactable. And nobody is to con- contact anybody and blah, 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 right? S- some just want to be on the email and that's okay. But really take rest um, and, and recharge the batteries and all that. But then when you come back, right, you're on. And just one the final point, until the quarter just gone, right? Q2 uh, this year was our best quarter ever. But before that, Q3 2022 was our best quarter ever by some distance, so business is done during the summer, and I do believe that there's kind of a mindset issue that oh, I'm going to switch off because everyone switches off. But business is done, and we had a magnificent uh, third quarter last year. I'm certainly hoping for, and we are tracking. We're one month in now only, right? But um, we're tracking to do really, really good stuff this this Q3 as well. So in summary, I don't have a cracked, um, and I keep kind of toying with the different ideas and, and different ways of doing it. The, the other thing is, Colin, doesn't your, does your company tends to do better when you go away? Didn't you say that? The, that that's always <laughs> been the case. I think you said it as well, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, all, yeah. Andy, your finger was raised. Also, people go on holiday and they think, you know what? I need to get on top of my finances. I need to find a financial. You know, so sometimes there's there's incoming from people that are mm. chilling behind. Mm. You know, chilling around a pool. Um, you know, that communicate a financial advisor because they've got some downtime to think about it. Uh, yeah, back to Alan's point, the pruning in the garden is, yeah, you, there's nothing worse than like going away and just leaving your garden un, unattended. You come back and it's just a complete shambles. That's why you just oh, it's the worst. prune oh. the garden, as it were, in terms of keeping on top of your emails and everything sort of ticking away. Um, I, I, I am a solo advisor, but I've got a big team that work for me. So I'm always directing emails and sorting out stuff again. So, so I, I need to be active, uh, not being a, a bottleneck. Andy, the ultra crepidarian Andy, he knows about everything, Andy, can't be told anything, his name is Andrew Hart, Andrew Hart! Yeah, your big team are great, and they're both really nice people. Um, Shall I just close on, on my my views on this? So like Andy, I am a, I am a one-man band with an enormous, enormous team behind me. And I am, as you know, dear Travis, I'm married to a head teacher, the lovely Penelope. So she is very much bound by her school calendar. And of course, she has the six weeks in quotes off, although she spends a lot of time at school. So I try and spend time with Penelope in that time also, because because I work from home and I do Zoom meetings. If she was in the house, you know, it's got to be quiet when you're doing a Zoom meeting and you've got to be totally immersed in the zone. And I just know that it would, be, it would cause frictions if I booked in in, in, in in planning meetings with clients when, when she's here and I want to be spend time with her. So I use things like Calendly. Calendly is brilliant. You know, I've got various diaries in Calendly uh, and all client interactions I put in date overrides. I'm not available through these dates, late, late July through to late August. I leave my lunch and dinner diaries open. Obviously, you're not going to decline those, are you? Um, and I take my laptop with me when I go abroad because I have to, right? It's my, it's, I just have to do it. There might be something that m- means I have to get my laptop out rather than just dealing with it on my phone. It, actually, yeah. it never actually happens, but I, I need that comfort blanket. As a business owner, you never really turn up, whether you're Metis Norway and, and or, you know, or Capital, the bigger firms, you guys never really turn up. I think, Carl, you, you're the best at it of us, but part of your brain will still be worrying through your business figures for, for August and so forth all the time. It does this, this is not a grouch, by the way. Well, whatever part of your brain was, Carl, that part of it probably is. Not a great big part. 
But we're all – so to put a positive spin on this, we're not employee. Maybe employees can just walk away and not worry about anything. Yeah, it's mad, and, isn't yeah, it? And then come back, you know. But we don't have that because we've chosen this thing of ours, which is where we own the business because we're not really employable in a, in, in, in a, in a, in a broad sense of the word. So I don't really switch off. I do I, – what I do, like, like Andy – with with um, there's no automatic way. We've had this argument before, Andy. With it within within the Gmail application, you cannot pause emails. But there is a there's a thing called Boomerang, a free add-on that I uh, on the browser, and I pause my work email. So even if I pick up my phone on the beach and try to look at my emails, I cannot. I don't know what's there. I can't turn that on or off via my phone either. Then once That's a day, I'll go back to the hotel room, just put put on the laptop, and then just see what any emails that come out. No, I get so few anyway in the summer months. People, I know Carl, you do lots of business, but. I, Typically, my clients, they're just, they just don't contact me. Yeah, well, they contact me even less in the August period than they do otherwise. And like, like Andy, fun enough, I've also got three or four prospective clients coming on board. They're probably the same people, Andy. We're probably pitching against each other. <laughs> uh, but I've told them, you know, if you do come back to me, we, we won't progress things probably until the end of August, early September. Because most of what we do is not... It's not time critical, is it? It's it's not. No. We're talking about you know multi multi generational lifestyle financial planning. I, I, Nick, Nick, it, Nick, I, I, Nick, what I found on that point is that a lot of stuff that we'd be we may, may have started to work in kind of February March, like Andy said, right? People kind of maybe have a little bit more time and they're going right. Yeah. I'm ready to kind of implement that. So it's not that we've started the business necessarily uh, the, the business relationship in the summer. It's like. People are going, right, let's just go and implement that. So just just a minor point on that. Okay. Thank you. No, no, that's one way. Yeah, you, you, you might have sowed these seeds back in, say, February, March, and now the thing's coming to gestation because they've got the time yeah. to do it. Absolutely. They can't read another bloody novel by, I don't know, Clancy, whoever people read on the beach. Okay. I, I think that meat and potatoes is, is kind of done. We are also over an hour into this into this absolute shambles. Um, <laughs> absolute shambles. So shall we move on to the – actually, I don't really get a choice about this because I can see – at the front door that the, the posties rolled up and the uh, the sack of, of Trappist questions is of course bulging and dear Trappist if you want to leave a question for us please do there's a link in the so-called show notes we've got three questions for this episode one of them is from a chap called Eamon Prendergast Eamon your question it was about 58 sub clauses there so it's it's, it's 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 a long question it's about how to run seminars effectively and basically you want chapter from verse and how to do it we are going to cover this in the next episode we're going to focus because we are obviously great the trap pack i mean are there four better advisors in the world no it's a rhetorical question however even we have made mistakes in the next episode we're going to go over some of the mistakes we've made and one of them will include this podcast seminars that didn't go well so we'll bring that into it there however we've got two more questions from our dear trappists to get to so let me just quickly find the drop where i pretend the letter's being opened there we go and this one is from Steve Smith. Steve, not Steve Smith, the Australian batsman. At least I don't imagine that is. He's on Twitter as Steve Smith Live. Can the presenters discuss A, here we go, another one with 58 questions. Can the presenters discuss A, what the financial aspects of their ongoing service agreements are, B, what the clients get for that amount, and C, how they derived any tiers they have? Great show, chaps. It's done a lot of good, so keep doing it. God, blimey. Okay, let's just quit a quick whistle-stop tour around around the room, if we can, of, of um, what your charges are and how you got to them and any tears. Make I don't it short think that's the question, Nick. It's what oh, okay, the financial aspects are 
of ongoing service agreements. The financial aspects of their ongoing service agreements. Yeah, and what, what do you charge? get for that amount? Yeah, exactly what I just it's, said. It's an it's enormous exactly question. What I just said, Andy. It couldn't be more of what I just said. Whilst the guys are figuring it out, right, um, there's a document on our website called Doing Business With Us, and it's all in there. And the tiers are, um, (laughs) that's just um, trial and error over a long period of time. But Doing Business With Us, it's on our website. That's, you'll see everything you need to see there. Yeah. Yeah, for that amount being the chart. What do you think, what is it, seriously, uh, Andy, what do you think he's asking? Okay, what they're asking are, what are our fees? Okay, we're saying that's A, that's us interpreting it. Uh, B, what the clients get for that? I mean, you can't answer what the clients get for it in just a round-robin style, can we? It's the whole thing we've been no, talking about, the whole entire being of this show is what we're discussing and talking about. It's it's a very Well, it's tricky. the annual financial planning review process, I How would they get imagine, derived, that, that, you any know. tears you use? Okay, I don't really have much to say on that. It's a bit weird. Um. I mean, this is, you know, obviously our approach to fees is a bit different. We probably aren't going to go through that on this podcast. We should probably come back to that. I was always keeping up my sleeve. We'll have a conversation around retainers, flat fee retainers, subscription type models versus um, percentage of assets models. Because um, we've we've got a very clear range of fees which are not directly dependent upon the assets under management, um, you know, managed or looked after by the advisory firm. Um, well, we've we've sort of derived a, a a pricing structure, which is predominantly focuses on things like complexity, but a number a num- number of other things as well: complexity and value, um, also time time taken to do particular things. But it's it's probably we don't have the scope for it here. If you want to do it, that's yeah, that's, a, saying that's is, a meat and potatoes in it's itself. It's a half you want an to go- hour, hour to answer that question. I mean, this is what I discuss with clients on the onboarding process with lots of listed stuff the, the, to the go headlines, through. The, he- are the, he- the headlines are, broadly speaking, people charge 1% for financial planning, investment management, ongoing behavioral coaching, all yep. that stuff. And, then, and there's some discounting for larger larger clients. Yeah, that's it, in, basically. In summary? Yeah, 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 yeah. My fee agreement is on my website. It's very explicit. It's all this there, and also I say what you get for it. But as ever, we determine the cost. The client determines the value. Sorry, FCA. That's just the way the world works. Hmm. Okay, on to the second question, and this is from uh, Mr. Kieran Fowley, who's on Twitter as at Kieran Fowley. How do you chaps turn down new clients when you feel they won't be a good match for you or not profitable? How do you sack existing clients you don't want to service anymore? So I'll have a quick stab at that. They're, they're not clients, are they, if you turn them down? They're prospects. You're prospecting. You're vetting them. Yeah, it just does, you just kind of know, don't you? If, if I don't really turn – I get turned down, really, but I don't turn down many – You know, it just, it just doesn't work. I don't – are they, do you like them? Are they going to pay your fees? That's two questions. Jo- job done. And yeah, there, there are a lot. I mean, there's quite a bit on this. How do you sack existing clients you don't want to service anymore? The Nick Murray scripts. There's stuff in there in the in the uh, Google group that I run, uh, IFA Forum. And you can f- join that by going to the Twitter handle, at IFA Forum. This is a recurring question. There have been loads of good answers about how you do this. Um, gentlemen, anything to add? Well, we... Um if we get people approach us and it's clear that for whatever reason they're not a good fit, I just think it's very important always to try to leave them um, positively. So we would sometimes for it could it could be you know what they're looking for, or it could be sort of 
sort of size or quantum that relative to because you know we've got we've got a, we've got fees we've got minimum fee levels and we it's unlikely to be for some people it's unlikely to be good value for money and we've got a sort of overall sort of decency level when it comes to our our fees and we but we'll always want to we've, we've got a couple of advisor relationships that we will refer them on to good good firms that got a slightly different business model to us uh, but i've also referred people to vanguard to um Hargis lansdowne number of other organizations but we always want any prospect at all that knocks on our door we want to help them one way or another if we're not the right firm we'll either find another firm that can do uh, help them because we know and we pre-vetted it and we've done our due diligence on them or as i say any number of other if someone says that i want to spend 100 pound a month in an isa for example then there are better organizations to to do that and i think it's important always to help people out as opposed to saying we can't help you Anything else? Okay, I think I think that's the well, word. That's 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 great. We've given some value there. Okay, then without any further ado, let's move on to what many people call culture corner and storyteller. Your one is uh, the first. We've, we've talked about human risk podcast before, so so throw some magic new sparkle dust on it. Have we? We talked about it. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, there is a there's a new episode of it, and it's got, um, or I think it's a series of episodes that that they went three three of these guys went over to Abbey Road Studios and recorded, I think, three episodes there. Um, Paul Craven, Rory Sutherland, and Gerald Ashley, Andy Hart. I think two of those three are speaking at Humans Under Management. Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Paul and Rory. Paul, are both Paul Craven is. Yeah, they're, they're both speaking this this year. Um, the this this episode or this series of episodes that they did uh, just recently, really really good and high, lots of relevance to financial planners when they talk about. I think I'm not sure which one of it is he's talking. It might be Paul Craven. Does he do a lot of behavioral stuff for asset management companies, investment management companies? Not sure exactly. Um, and I know it wasn't Rory talking, but when one of them was. Speaking, um, he was talking about how people present information. He was talking about making presentations and how most people, and it would include sort of financial advisors, investment managers, how we get it all wrong and an exercise that he goes through to do it. So highly relevant good. to the listeners of this podcast and some, um, yeah, really interesting tidbits and actionable takeaways from those three icons of behavioral finance. That's decent. I've just had a look. And there'll yeah, be links to that in the like, so-called show notes, yes, there is. It's the latest yeah, three yeah. shows, yeah. Thanks for that, Alan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Widger, Money Men by Dan McCrum. Carl, you're muted, my friend. <laughs> you're still muted. Aha! <laughs> uh, it's the wire card story. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually reading this in uh, book format to try and uh, help me sleep at night, and it's working treat. Uh, it's there's so many characters involved, but it's absolutely fascinating. And again, it's uh, I seem to be drawn to these stories about uh, people swindling other people out of money. But a uh, fascinating story, uh, highly recommended. Wire card story, uh, Money Men by Dan Dan McCrum. But that that's that's a Netflix show. Is Netflix or one of those? It's a it's a it's a documentary film as well, which I've seen. I haven't read the book, but I've watched I, the. I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's good. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah really it's, good. It's good. Crazy stuff. German, German company, wasn't it? Yeah, German. Yes, yeah, absolutely crazy. Completely fabricated. <clears throat> yeah, make making up Asian companies, and yeah. Uh, yeah. But the investigative investigative journalism that went on there is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. So you know, we do need these people. 
Yeah, really good. Really interesting. Okay, thank you. Uh, leading on from that, uh, the same kind of thing. I, I want to thank you, Carl, because I, I listened to the, uh, I think you mentioned it was the previous episode, episode 24, the Melissa Caddick uh, podcast. Story. Yeah. This, this was and, um, another financial fraud. Just, 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 uh, wow, human beings, man. She, you know, Bernie, Bernie Madoff was the king of the Ponzi. I don't, he just, he's on a different level in terms of the amount, but she lost, I think it was 38 million uh, Australian dollars. I'm not sure that isn't proper money, but it's still probably quite a sizable amount. But she didn't, not only did she fleece her, you know, friends and clients, she fleeced her family. This is the wish which yeah. Bernie Madoff didn't, I mean, obviously he, he trashed their reputation and, he, and that's, that's, that's beyond, you can't put a price on that, but he didn't, he didn't take money from his own family's pockets, but she just, uh, she took money from her parents and her, it's, it's just like, and, and I think. Sad uh, stuff. Yeah. 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 It's just about, but I am drawn to it as well. Like here, it is just, just like, geez, you know, here we are again, you know, worrying about consumer duty and how, you know, uh, can we justify this ISIS switch? And there are people out there who are just sociopathic and just don't have, don't have any conscience. So that's yeah, really and, good. And like the, 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 the common, the common theme with Madoff and, and Melissa Caddick was they didn't invest the money at all, ever. They just gave out these kind of fraudulent false statements. So, um, you know, if you're investing money, try and get some online logins so that you can actually see this, this thing yourself. I mean, it's pretty standard, you would imagine, these days. But yet, when you hear about these stories, it doesn't necessarily seem to be. Talk, talking you know, of things like that, just bringing it, you know, timestamp. I shared with you guys this morning, we was just in the BBC today, yesterday, this um, local authority, I think Thurrock yeah. Council, they invested like over half a billion pounds in some what looks like a fraudulent setup of some solar farm organization. And uh, the, the founder, apparently, or, or someone sort of wrapped up in it, obviously, this is, a, I presume, is going to be some sort of court case coming down the line, was buying private planes, yachts, Bugattis, you name it. What, and and now, the, now the council is technically bankrupt and they've had to cease delivering all non-essential services. I mean, what the hell? You're 655 million pounds. What? what? Yeah, I, just, I, I, I just read it. Kidding. I read it, Alan. I read it. I, I actually tried to comment on it, and the technology went a little bit haywire on me. But there, there, this I don't know is this solar wind farm thing. There's uh, we have one of those ones going pear shaped here in Ireland as well. But that, that I read that article, Alan. Oh my mother of it God, doesn't matter. It's all good. On. It's all good because solar. It's solar. solar. And we're going to save the yeah. polar bears. That's all yeah. fine. Don't question the narrative. Invest in solar. Doesn't matter if the money goes down the shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. um, my final. Culture corner one is actually this is a bit of a different one. So I, Penny and I had a well, Penny had a party recently. You three were invited. None of you turned up. It's been noted, um, and she, we had this guy come along to to sing at our party. Penny met him. He was busking on Watford High Street, and and, and she said she spoke to him. He said, well, "Do you want to come and sing at our party?" I thought, "Christ on a bike! What's this about?" Anyway, this guy was brilliant. Uh, Chris Harvey. He he, he sings uh, sort of jazz soul. He's got this beautiful sort of molasses, dark, uh, beautiful, smoky voice. And he was really good. And I'm giving him a shout out because the guy lives in Hendon down the road from me in northwest London. And he's lived in the same place for 20 years, rented it, and he's been chucked out by his landlord. And he's, in a, he's got nowhere to go. He cannot afford the rents in the UK. I just astronomical at the moment. And I want to give this guy, he turned up on time. He played for longer than he said he would. And then he buggered off. And he just... That brilliant thing brings his microphone, brings the lights, just sings and live music, even to, in, as simple as that. It just transformed the party. So there's a link to his his website in 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 the show notes. If you if you're in the home counties area and you want someone to come and sing at, at Bash, you're having a garden party, what have you, definitely definitely highly recommend uh, Chris Harvey. He was a pro, and we um well we done, Nick. Pros. That's awesome. Fair play for 
calling that one out. Well Thank done. You. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Mr. Hart, Lower Mill Estate, Cotswolds. Yeah, so I've just returned from the Cotswolds a week with my family. Quite a lot of us hired a big house. Uh, it's a great little place there if anyone's thinking about going to the Cotswolds. It's in sort of, uh, they call it the Cotswolds Water Park area near South Cerny, near Sirencester. Uh, and the main place I've gone to, I think I've gone to there about six or seven times now. It's called Lower Mill Estate. And the main people that rent out houses there from from as small as two beds, three beds, and then there's obviously as big as sort of five, six, seven beds. It's called Habitat Escapes. So if you want to go somewhere lovely in the Cotswolds, uh, it's really great for London. It's only an hour and a half away from London. Check it out. We had a fantastic week there on the lake with a hot tub, kids going crazy, all the good stuff, lots of ice cream. Weather was uh, not the best, but we made the most of it. So, yeah, if you want to go somewhere really nice in the Cotswolds, the Lowman Estate, it's also great for kids. They've got a swimming and paddleboarding and, and all the other water sports. So, yeah, check it out. No, it's a beautiful part of the world. My brother lives in uh, in uh, in in the Cotswolds, a village called Blocklin. You and I, Andy, we and Penny, we met a few years ago, didn't it? just in that area. It is it yeah. is it is lovely. It's uh, it's just this picture postcard, beautiful. Um, Okie dokie, and I think you're off to you're off to Spain, Mr. Hart. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's your Soya next, next or Sola, depends on how you say it. Yep. Okay, I've got uh, Sicily next week, which I'm looking forward to. The forecast here, by the way, for the next week. My God, the, talk about yeah, rain. No. Okay. Um, guys, we are now at look at that as, as ever. Are we kind of always coming around eighty minutes? Are we are we comfortable? That's we've done it all. We've done a good a good effort. Okay, yep. I'm assuming the silence is a yes. So that's a wrap for this episode, dear Trappist. Thank you as ever for your precious time and your input into the show. Please do rate um, and review us on iTunes. Leave a six out of five star review. Like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I think we're about three hundred and fifty subscribers on that now, which is not uh, a bad effort whatsoever. But until the next time. From the Trap Pack, it's adios and take care out there, folks. Thank you for your time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.